Hello everybody, this is Rick, and unfortunately there is no Paul today due to uncontrollable scheduling conflicts, so apologies if this episode is much shorter and less entertaining. Uh, don't worry, things will be back to normal very soon, but for now, let's talk about Planet's Edge, the point of no return. Also, 1992. We generally try not to do straight-up retro reviews on our show, but we also try to be a bit more than what you would find with some basic Wikipedia research. Uh, now, that being said, it's fairly important to set the context of Planet's Edge by talking a bit about one of the most significant years in PC gaming history, 1992. It's one of the most important and iconic years of the classic gaming era, because it, um, 1992 saw games like Ultima 7, Star Control 2, Dune and Dune 2, Fate of Atlantis, Star Trek 25th Anniversary, Alone in the Dark, Mortal Kombat, Wolfenstein 3D. Yes, I am reading this off a list. Bear with me here for a second. I can't remember all of these. Sorry. Um, Quest for Glory 3, Dark Seed, Shining Force, Flashback, Evo, Super Mario Kart, and Night Trap. But without going too far into detail about each title individually, it's... Suffice to say that even if arguments can be made for other years to have a stronger lineup of game releases, classic gamers will pretty clearly see that 1992 provided a lot of genre templates that are still very notable in their impacts in games to this day. Uh, the problem is that when there's, there's a risk to being innovative, and as a result, a lot of those games really didn't age quite as well. Uh, some of them did. Not, not all of them did, though. So if you do try to go back and play some of those games today, to say the very least, your mileage is going to really vary. Now, these are also times when people would only really get to play a handful of games in every given year. So it's pretty safe to say that if you were neither very high-profile or attached to a franchise, or doing something really new and exciting, it'd be very easy to get overlooked if you came out in this year. And that brings us to Planet's Edge, the point of no return. It's a very pulp sci-fi style of game, which can be very accurately described as a nice jack-of-all-trades. The starship battles were a stripped-down version of Star Control Combat minus a lot of the depth, uh, the adventure RPG exploration sections borrowed very heavily from the Ultima 6 engine in the same year that Ultima 7 came out and blew Ultima 6 out of the water. And the episodic plot structure was very similar to Star Trek 25th Anniversary, but without being able to carry the banner of the major franchise. It's actually kind of interesting that they came out in the same year, so they weren't, they obviously, neither one of them was ripping each other off, but it just, they really both went for that. Uh, adventure game with episodic sections where you kind of go through each little section is its own mini kind of um, short story adventure uh, before you move on to the next one. Uh, the sad thing is that Planet's Edge actually even pulled it all off pretty well. Uh, it had clunky controls, the graphics were kind of hit or miss, like the, the RPG sections, the graphics were really not that great, but everything else was actually really cool uh, if you are inclined towards that VGA style. Uh, I, I think it's one of the better examples of really good VGA graphics to, to capture the nostalgia of that time period. Um, and honestly, it 
could really have made a strong and convincing claim to be a major influence on uh, sci-fi RPGs like Knights of the Old Republic or Mass Effect. Aside from the fact that it's kind of hard to believe that anybody who worked for Bioware has ever actually played Planet's Edge, simply because it's so unknown. For example, even in the mid-2000s, like a few years after GameFAQs was in full swing as being like this definitive database of almost every video game ever released, I remember trying to look up Planet's Edge and there was no record of its existence. It was so overlooked that even GameFAQs and later Wikipedia really had almost no information about it. Nowadays, there's a little bit more out there, but it's just it's still not really a game you expect anybody to have heard of, let alone played. So, so like I said before, it, its biggest crime really is just that it came out just a little too late to make any real impact because none of, nothing it did was particularly ahead of its time. It was either contemporary or even just a little bit behind. And so it didn't really have very much to sell itself on other than, uh, I, I guess, the fact that it was apparently from the creators of Might and Magic. So it would be really weird to think of what the experience would be like to play it today if you were playing it for the first time. I mean, people like me who are equipped with 90s nostalgia glasses uh, would probably actually appreciate it a bit more now than when it came out because it was already pretty lost in the shuffle at the time it came out. But at the same time, Planet's Edge was greater than the sum of its parts because each of its parts weren't that great when left to stand on their own. The, the combat was... Like I said, it was just a stripped down Star Control without a lot of the depth of gameplay that Star Control had in their space combat. You know, you had lasers, you had missiles, uh, basically all the spaceships had the same uh, weapons and armor to choose from. It's just you can customize how you load it up. You want to be a little bit more speed focused, more cargo centric, or if you want to be a bit more of a gunboat. But there wasn't the same kind of... Uh, uniqueness to each craft that star control 2 had like really the the only thing different between the different classes of spaceship you use is the capacity so how much you can load it up how much cargo space you can have and likewise enemy ships are basically the same template they all look different and unique but they basically have access to the same weapons and shields that you do just different loadouts so it really kind of lacks that uniqueness of each ship in that Star Control and Star Control 2 had where they had their strengths and their weaknesses and, uh, you know, special attacks. And in Star Control, each ship had this unique personality to it. Uh, you don't really get that in Planet's Edge, which is unfortunate. But like I said, it works because it's a smaller component of a larger game, which, granted, so was Star Control 2. There was, like, a pretty awesome epic space adventure um, that wrapped around its very in-depth combat mechanics so already in that regard you know star control 2 which came out the same year as planet's edge got a lot more attention and a lot more prestige to this day being held as one of the all-time greats because they kind of focused on fewer things but just focused on them a lot better and a lot stronger so it was a lot more uh it, it stood out a lot better um i i, I kind of sorry i kind of lost my train of thought here uh, where i was going with all this uh, but uh, the planetary exploration segments, which is sort of the um, the turn-based RPG segments, uh, as I said before, it's very, very based on the Ultima 6 engine, which, again, was very, very close to being completely 
obsolete with the release of Ultima 7, the same year that Planet's Edge came out. So, again, I, I don't really want to turn this into a retro review, uh, but, and I guess there is one part of the game that I did find was actually pretty unique, for better or worse. You control these four characters who are your away team party, your, your bridge crew, and their stats, because it, you know it's an RPG, so it's very stat-based, the stats are actually pretty stationary throughout the entire game unless you choose to re-roll them. So they don't level up. The stats don't increase. Uh, you, you might get some extra armor, depending what you're wearing. Weapons have different values and that sort of thing. But your actual base stats are basically unaffected. So if you aren't happy with your character, you have to re-roll them entirely. So you have to actually go uh, back to your home base on the moon and... You have to activate a cloning machine that just creates an entire new clone with randomized stats and abilities. So you get like no control over customizing the stats to your liking. Your only options are to either keep the character or re-roll. And if you re-roll, you pretty much just like throw away the last one and just completely re-roll the new one. So I don't know. Personally, I think that's a pretty cool idea given the context of the setting. Obviously, it doesn't work in like a fantasy RPG. That that just doesn't work at all. But in the sense of like a sci-fi, it's kind of cool that like you can clone them, but you just have no real control over how they're going to turn out. So and this is the amusing part. I always wondered exactly what was going to happen to literally dozens and dozens of clones of each character that I was basically just throwing in the trash just so I could get some better points and like, weapon skill or navigation or something and you know i'll be honest it's it's hard to really call this game underrated because pretty much everybody i know that has actually played it pretty much enjoyed it as much or more than i did the problem is just that it slipped under the radar so there aren't very many people out there who have just played it at all and it's tough to really recommend it in 2019 because i admit the controls and some of the gameplay can be pretty frustrating at times but uh, I guess the reason why I wanted to spotlight it here is because it really is a game that should have been a lot more impressive than it was when it came out. It just happened to come out in one of the most impressive years of the classic gaming era. So, yeah. Don't do a murder. Don't do a murder. 